Welcome to the official podcast of the Brewmasters Club, Craft Brews and Geek News. Sit back, pour yourself a pint, and let's get into it. Now here's the founder of the Brewmasters Club and your host, Donnie Gallagher. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Brewmasters Club, Craft Brews and Geek News. My name is Donnie Gallagher. I am the host, uh, co-host with my, uh, my three good buddies here. Um, kicking us off today, uh, Mr. Dano, how are you, sir? Doing great. How's everyone doing? I'm Dane, coming from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Very good. And in Lakeland, we have Mr. Lausman. Hey, uh, yep, Lausman, checking in here in uh, Lakeland. That was already explained. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mr. Rye Guy Roberts, what are you up to, my friend? Morning, everybody. Watching some football. <laughs> of course you are. Well, well, we are is the uh, the official Brewmasters Club podcast. Um, we are basically a collection of bros sitting here talking to you about craft beer, about geeky news, about tech news, about anything that we um, we want to kind of bring to the forefront here. Um, we primarily are focused on beer, of course, trying to get the word out, share some interesting stories, and just talk all things beer. We're not a, um, a stuffy podcast where we sit here and talk about notes and flavors and things like that. We're more conversational and we are community driven. So the reason that we're here talking to you is because of you. We want to hear from you. So please contribute um, to the stories that we have every week. Um, kicking off the first story in the first segment that we have is our beer news. Uh, what's going on in the world of beer? Um, I don't know about you guys, but this week in beer was, was kind of dry. No pun intended. Um, but basically, the, the, the best or the, one of the most interesting stories I found, it was for a number of reasons, was about a two-mile-long beer pipeline that carries Belgian beer, the lifeblood of, of, their, of their society, if you will, in Belgium, um, from the brewery to the distributor, basically. Um, and it's two miles long. Um, I thought this was amazing, and I thought, you know, how do I get one of these installed? Uh, because there's a lot of good beer. Um, and it, it was just, uh, it was a very neat story. So to give you some highlights, then I, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this because it, it is a, a cool perspective. And then I'll kind of save a, a little uh, fact, fact code for later. But essentially, um, this is a, uh, a brewery in Belgium, of course. Um, and it's one of those, it's an older city. So, of course, you know, here in America, our, their city's maybe 100, 200 years old. This is like a 500-year-old city. So what happened is that they, they have these tiny streets, cobblestone. And they weren't able to, it was very expensive and very intricate to get their, their beer trucks in to deliver the, their product from their brewery to um, the you know, distributing uh, center, the brewery, other places that will sell the beer and things like that. So the owner said, you know, this is, this is crazy. What else can we do to, to, to appease this? So he developed this after watching the city workers, you know, with their uh, water pipes and sewer drains and all this kind of stuff. He thought to himself, why not make a beer pipeline? Um, he now has one that funnels beer at about a thousand gallons per hour. Ton of beer. Um, it's actually more cost effective than beer trucks distributing, moving beer from the brewery there. So, so it's interesting, but it is the world's first beer pipeline. Um, and, it's, um, and it's just awesome. So a two mile beer pipeline, it's economic, it's fast, and, it's, and it makes things a little bit more smooth. I mean, how cool would that be if we could have something like that in Tampa or in Jacksonville or wherever. I mean, would, would you guys be down with a beer pipeline? You could just tap into it any time, like a soda fountain? Oh, that's freaking yeah. amazing. 
<laughs> they siphon it off. Never see that in America. It just shows how important beer is there in Belgium. It's crazy. No, it is, and it's it's cool because they actually in this two mile you know pipe pipe stretch they actually have one spot that's visible under a clear manhole, um, and so you can it's cut into the cobblestone and you can literally see beer just flowing through this this pipeline. Um, the whole project cost about four point five million dollars. Um, and it carries beer from one of the country's oldest still operating breweries um, in the center of Burgess um, to its bottling plant on the outskirts. So it's just fantastic. But $4.5 million. I mean, this is one of the key aspects that I wanted to bring to you guys, because in a previous episode, I mean, how, how the hell do you think funding like this comes up? Do you think this brewery, this little brewery in, in Belgium has this kind of cash? They tapped into a crowdfunding Thing. Not not exactly crowdfunded, but a co-op. And you guys remember, I don't know if it was episode three, episode four, where we talked about a you know co-op brewery where, hey, Ryan, you want to join? Dane, you want to join? Nick, you want to join? Well, it's $50, $50, and Dane wants to put in $150. So everybody gets a different denomination and kickback. But again, guys, we were just talking about this. I mean, how cool is that, that a project like this on this kind of scale was, was funded almost purely from this kind of co-op? Yeah, it's really fantastic to see how so many people investing into something can really help and maintain the beer production and really keep it flowing. <laughs> no pun intended there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheap shot all night. But uh, no, it's just really interesting. You know, it's like the, the volume of people invested just keeps it keeps it going. I think it's cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan that uh, apparently someone in Belgium has, uh, has passed go and they need to collect $200 because they're pipeline is now reaching their bottom. I mean, I always flip the board at this point, but that's, you know, that's not point of view. I don't, I'm not controlling Europe. That's that's on them. But I think it's fantastic. I mean, a clear tube where you can see all the beer that you're not going to be able to drink hit a bottling plant where you can't drive to. You can drive for fun. I mean, these are all just, that's just a recipe for fun. I mean, fun. Primarily disaster, though. <laughs> well, the the funny thing is, <laughs> laundry's done. Yeah. Is it gonna it's keep yelling at me. I'll get it. It's yelling at me. Go tend to your washer, man. Try be professional. Yeah, jeez Louise. Like we were saying, I think, I think uh, again, it has to do with how important the beer is to the community. The guy didn't want to go out of business. He had to do something drastic. This is what he came up with, idea, and they're running with it. And I think it's very cool. My only thing is like how the upkeep of the pipe. Right. You know, does the beer go bad after a mile? It's like how fast is it moving? You know. Well, okay. All so these little things that go into it. It brings me. Back, it brings me back to my my AB days when I used to work as a brand ambassador, and it was um you know we had a rule, and it was pretty much it's it's a little bit. With so many breweries now, it, it's almost like everybody has their own particular preference. But you've all seen, you know, a date that's on the bottom of the, of the bottle or the can. And it says, like for my uh, my Sammy, it says, you know, what month it was born. And, and it says, you know, nine, 90 days after that or, or what have you, you know, this beer is skunked. Well, it's not just the, the life of the beer because fresh beer is always great. When you get it out of the brewery on that kind of speed, um, it's fantastic. But what happens is when you go to like a, a crappy sports bar and you have I'm sure you guys have had it before where you, you have a, a glass of beer and it's, it's probably going to be Bud or Miller or one of the, one of the standard guys that don't get changed real often. Um, and you, you take a sip of that beer, or maybe you notice the head isn't very frothy and it, it's kind of like dissipates real quickly. 
Um, and then you taste that beer, and it literally tastes like buttered popcorn. It's a chemical called dextrocetaphil, and it, it, it occurs naturally in beer. And what it does is it's a, it's a it's not a grease, but it's a leftover residue that happens from transporting beer through tubing, um, like at a CO2 pump on a, on a tap at a regular bar. So if you ever pull up to a, you know, to a seat at a bar and, and you have a beer and you're like, man, this tastes terrible, it tastes off. It tastes like literally a bad version of it will taste like buttered popcorn. It's because they haven't cleaned their lines. So my question to them is, great, you're funneling beer at 1,000 gallons an hour. How often are you cleaning the lines? So that's a lot of that chemical going through. It's a lot of mess that, that, that is to clean up. Now, it's super easy to keep, keep lines clean. You run a batch through. You run – it's literally clean water through, and it will carry all that crap out. But, you know, that, that, the upkeep of it is, is sure an issue. Um, that's a good point, Dan. So no, it, it, you said this is like underground. Is that what you said, or 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 how did they how did they funnel it again? Just like so, you running water. I mean, just like uh, okay. your, your your city water, your sewage. Um, I mean, not those are the same, but it, it runs a similar way, right? Just right, a couple of feet under the ground, um, runs all the way from the brewery to the bottling uh, facility. Yeah, I just I just wonder like how how exposed some of those. You know, I mean, two miles is a long stretch. <clears throat> You know, I wonder how exposed those could become over time or like how the elements would affect it over time. Not the beer per se, but just the, the pipeline itself. I it's, mean, that, that raises a lot of questions. Super Mario Brothers style. I mean, you know, similarly, you know, everyone recalls when the Super Mario Brothers were running down on that tube. I can only <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the musical accompaniment actually kind of seals the deal on this one, so I, I, there's no further debate on that. Well, yeah, I agree, and there, there's going to be some challenges and some hurdles, but so far, this is the first time that I've ever heard of such a thing um, been done before, yeah. and I think it's really interesting. The guys actually that own the brewery, it's the Half Moon Brewery, um, said it's an old product because it's about 500 years old, which is crazy, um, but it's yeah. an innovative project, so Again, it's it's like like we've all kind of mentioned, Dan. Again, you hit it on the head. You know, it's how much this beer means to not just the brewery, but to the people, to the area, to the country, to the culture. All this kind of stuff. It just makes it really cool. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm just reading back through what they said was they had you know over time in this area of Belgium, apparently they had um, gotten very congested streets, up to 2 million tourists who visit annually. So the influx of visitors made transporting that beer on a daily tanker almost like, un, you know, un, impossible. Um, so the pipeline was, was his only option. Um, but the really cool part is that now that beer goes exactly from the brewery as fast as humanly possible to that <laughs> bottling plant and you get that, that fresh beer. Again, part of my brand ambassador days I've had the pleasure of actually enjoying a beer from the bottling line. And let me tell you guys, like before it's pasteurized, before it's put in a fridge or a freezer or anything, um, it is different. There's, there's a huge difference. I've had a, a less than one day old beer and it was, um, it was really incredible. And you can get that now at your craft breweries. So it's very cool, but, um, but it's kind of in the same vein um, and it's, it's just neat. So I don't know if you guys had any last questions about that, but just to finish out the stats, um, it's pretty exciting. Their last truck um, delivered or uh, picked up from the brewery on last Thursday. So this is still very brand new. But by Friday, so over tw uh, 24 hours, 1,000 gallons or 12,000 bottles of beer began flowing through the pipeline. And they operate 24 hours a day. So hats off to them, man. And I hope it works out really well. Um, anybody have any closing closing thoughts on that? 
Okay. And so, yeah, no. <laughs> did they ever think about just putting a uh, tap every about 15 feet and then just <laughs> – I mean, they could charge by the head. I don't know. You know, that's up to them on that point. You know, <laughs> that's all European, you know, do by the pound, whatever they got to do. But, uh, you know, at that point, you can just do by the yardage. Well, I mean, we're talking about light years to years here. They don't even they don't even need to because they had over 500 people that, that contributed to this four and a half million dollars. Some of the prizes there were free life, free beer for life in you know in proportion to their contributions so um a small investment got a six pack every year on their birthday but someone who paid the maximum amount received a <laughs> bottle of beer every day for the rest of his or her, her life that's that's awesome i don't know how much that maximum was but i'd pay that <laughs> yeah my 401k missed that one yeah that's that's on me it's on me <laughs> yeah that's a great benefit dane any final thoughts no i just think it's an incredible thing i think more companies that Maybe not deal with beer, but different products should really look into it. And it's very inventive, very cool. I like it. Mr. Ryan, anything else for you, laundry guy? Ryan? Just detergent for him. <laughs> can, you hear, can you hear us, Ryan? <laughs> he lost his blue teeth. He's only talking fabric softener, guys. I mean, you know, you're coming at him with starch. Oh, he lost him. <laughs> starch. I mean, you, you, you can't even do that. Like, I mean. He's only talking deep stains right now, guys. Like, don't even just come at him right. You gotta hit him, hit him with <laughs> heavy detergents and some stain lifters. And you know, if you're not talking that, you need to talk out. I mean, that's about it. <laughs> so get cut post, right? Yes, all of this is getting cut. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you might want to keep this in, in production. That, that that's on you. You know, I, I don't even do that. I, I'm here for the product. I'm on. It's on the ground, you know? Hey, there's a Ryan Roberts. <laughs> so we had a couple uh, user-submitted questions, and one of them is uh, was our thoughts on uh, buying up competition as an ass-saving move. Um, this was actually brought to us by Ryan. Um, is it a good business move, and how does it make good or bad for the craft community? If you recall, there was a rumor, so they say, of going around of where AB was buying up um, distributorships at a rate compared to other distributors that would or would not sell their product in a ratio of, I think it was 10% um, compared to the general sales of their, their craft beer um, in different areas. So I personally think that's shady and underhanded. And I think that of course, Budweiser is going to do it after they realize how much market share they've lost. Um, but it still is not a, um, not a good, not a good move. The best move, as we've mentioned, in, in my opinion, in the past is, you know, some of our friends like Oscar Blues and Cigar City that have built this great alliance where they they realize that they're the powerhouses in their region, if you will. And they say, why not join forces to provide better exposure for all of our brands, um, all of our breweries, and then, you know, join teams. Um, Ryan, just because you kind of brought this up to my attention uh, what do you what do you think about this, and what were your thoughts on this? Because because this story again was kind of something that you that you saw and, and earmarked here for us. Yeah, it, you know it's it's twofold for me because as someone who's been in business before, you're always looking for, you know, how can I get that edge, or what can I do to promote my brand a little bit better. And so on the one hand, I really applaud larger beer corporations, whether it be Miller or, or, or Bud Light or anybody like that, that's expanding and looking for that next big thing to offer to their customers. I applaud that. But at the same time, I also look at it as 
they're looking for that next best thing because it is the next best thing. It is the up and coming, if you will, the, the, the major brands that we know about in the Tampa Bay area, like Cigar City Brewery or even um, uh, Big Storm and, and, and all those other ones that are, that are growing notoriety, it's taking away from their bottom line. And over time, the people that haven't been exposed to craft beer will be. They won't look at Miller Court as the same anymore. So I really look at it as them saving their ass in, in a sense and, and offering more of their customers um, a product that isn't their own original product um, yeah. in, in that regard as well. And market exposure. I mean, you get a big brand to, to yeah. buy up your brewery like Goose Island, which is an AB company, and sell it down here. I mean, they're out of Chicago, but now we get to drink beer, and the beer is pretty good. I, I do like Goose Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's twofold, but I definitely think it's more ass-saving than anything, in, in my personal opinion, because craft beer is about he's a, a, a craft and, and loving life and also sharing that life through beer. So... That's that's my thought. Sure, Mr. Dane. I think a big company buying out smaller companies to kind of save their ass is a good business move. Obviously, uh, it sucks for the craft community in a sense to where uh, the craft breweries that are doing it for the love of beer um, maybe get pushed to the side a little bit and aren't really seen. And you really don't know what people that are creating the beer, are they doing it for the money? Are they doing it for the love of the beer? Kind of a twofold thing. You know, if, if they're buying them up, you know, they're buying them up. It's probably like Walmart coming in and buying up a whole strip mall or um, Verizon and Sprint coming together and creating some superpower. It, it could be like that. So, you know, business-wise, it's fine. Um, the beer community as a whole, it might suffer a little bit. Because you're gonna get the the AB, you know, piss in your mouth kind of stuff. So um, overall, good business move, um, and it could it could create some friction in the craft community for sure. Yeah, and to kind of kind of go a little further into that, almost I, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I, but this is going to. Um, a lot of times we see larger businesses buy the up and coming competition. Only for a year or two down the road, it's no longer a competition because it's under their wing, but it doesn't work. So it's a business move that fails. And so what I fear, at least in that regard, is a good beer that's you know locally brewed, not making it in the massive market, and then now they, they cut it. Yeah. A and perfect example. That's, that's my perfect example. Rent a swag being bought by Tommy's Closet. <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> Who wouldn't think of that at a time like this? <laughs> we just finished binge watching Parks and Rec. I'm sorry, I can't. So good. <laughs> Mr. Laos, you got anything for us on this? Cool. Uh, you know, actually, I don't have a lot of exposure to this type of situation. I mean, this is, you know, let's be honest, this is a very specific encounter for like a, a bigger brewery to try and you know attempt to take over a smaller microbrew or you know just anything like that I mean 
I have very limited exposure, but in, in my experience, I mean, uh, you know, wow. <laughs> Since I've started enjoying, uh, you know, smaller breweries and things like that, I, I've loved their actual flavor, which is phrasing to say the least, but, you know, it's actually, it's really refreshing to be able to say like, oh, I prefer like a type of beer over you know, a type of microbrewery over something that might be a little bit more large or scale or, or something that is sold more predominantly throughout supermarkets and things like that. So I kind of, I don't know, I, I, I guess you can call me a rebel, you know, well, so, like, so the the example that I would that offer to you is like, okay, so your favorite beer that you love at, at Lakeland Brewery, you know, that's great. So Lakeland Brewery is bought up by AB, and now all of a sudden they're making that same beer in St. Louis, but it's not exactly the same. It doesn't have the same flavor, doesn't have the same taste. You know, people, I think what, what they're worried about is that some big dog's going to come in, stomp on the little guy, and then that, that beer that you really loved is gone. Um, it doesn't happen. It doesn't always happen, but considering that so much of beer is water, you know, that it could be a difference in that. And it could be that these big guys want to kill off these little brands or these outlier flavors that don't necessarily, you know, sell a lot, but make that small brewery really unique. Um, so I think that's what people are really scared of. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that would affect you, but. Yeah, my, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, greatly posed. Uh, I would say <clears throat> to any sort of beer that is trying to, replace you know in that sort of limelight something that lakeland brewery produces you know something like their 863 sheets that's a very high gravity double ipa they want to try and move in they want to try and get in on that territory that's great that's fine i'm still going to classify them as some sort of double ipa like in my respect it's almost like a car you know you want to come in you want to offer a better suv you better offer a better suv like, that's the end of it. You want to offer a better double IPA, you better offer one. I mean, that's the end of it. So if, if they want to come to terms like that, then, yeah, I mean, I would love to taste multiple different types of, you know, IPAs, double IPAs. Well, those are my favorites, but and triple, or triples. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, you got to be prepared to offer some stouts. You know, it, it, it's very reminiscent of the, the car scene where Toyota, Nissan, Ford, you know, all those are roped in kind of the same thing. I mean, they, if you want to try and combat another sedan, you better come up with a better sedan. That's the end of it in, in my small world. And in this case, the sedans get you drunk. Yeah. Well, don't get drunk in a sedan. <laughs> That's the best we can learn from all of this. I didn't say in a sedan. I said the sedan. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> think about it for like 20 minutes and then don't throw it back or just tweet us yeah i think they call them metaphors i get it though i mean i understand what you're saying yeah one um, of the other things that starts to change too is the the branding of specific craft beer i mean uh, i'm a huge fan and and still will always be a huge fan of uh, Big Storm, but one of the things that they did was they changed their cans. And we had an episode a while back where we talked about the cans and, you know, you're going to get that fun, awesome looking can. They rebranded themselves and they're not even, you know, owned by a different company yet. They rebranded themselves and it's almost like I don't think of them as this uh, outlandish, awesome, cool craft brewery, even though they are. I don't see them as, a, as, a, as that anymore. And I fear that commercializing large 
will commercialize the beer product. Let's take Coppertail, for example. They have these awesome, crazy-looking beer, beer bottles and, and artwork on their beers. If you take that and put it mainstream, all of a sudden now you get people – you know, because these larger corporations pay attention to what their customers are saying about their about their branding, they're going to rebrand that, and it's not going to be the same. So, yeah, that's my last little thought on that. Well, a little caveat about that with Big Storm, you know, before their branding, they weren't not really very concerned with food and beer pairings. Come new branding, after they had a few sessions with the Brewmasters Club, we did our, our, our growler launch there. Mysteriously, their can real estate, which is very valuable. Um, had a little beer pairing uh, with food on there. So I just want to say, you know, that's that's good. If we can influence, you know, that's our job is to influence. So can't take any uh, any gruff for that. But um, but no, you, you're very you're very right, Ryan. But who knows? Um, there are some breweries. Florida Ave was one. Big Storm was was also one that is you know that was funded by by a fund by by a collection of of investors. Um, so that bodes the same kind of sentiment that we talked about before. You know, are these guys passionate about brewing or are they in the craft beer industry to make money? Um, Big Storm in particular, I know, is a very dedicated, and passionate group of people. So I have no doubt about their intentions. But in the first few days, there was a question, you know, are they in it for this or that? But those guys are great. And, and I know how passionate they are. So, so it's yeah, very cool. I mean, there. I just I love their beer. I think it's great. I was there a couple of weeks ago at the new new location in Pinellas, but I just had to to get that off my chest. So yeah, man. Yeah. Well, can can craft beer can craft beer be a big thing, or is it always going to be known as something small, micro, and not something that could be big? That's a great. Or once it's craft beer, it becomes big. It turns into something else. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great question. So there are actually stipulations on that. There's micro. There's like you know tap house. There's micro. There's craft brewery. There's um, you know larger and larger breweries and designations out of that. So there actually are designations now of each of those. I think Sam Adams for one, like literally just exceeded the limit. And I don't know how many barrels it is. We'd have to look that up, but. Um, it's a great, I mean, that's a great question because yes, there are rules for that that are already set in place. So to your point, once one of your favorite breweries kind of outgrow that, are they no longer a craft beer? I mean, the term craft beer has been so much of a buzzword over the last few years that a craft beer, you know, somebody saying, oh, I'm going to go have some, like nobody said, I'm going to go have some craft beers with my buddies, but like you go to a brewery to have a craft beer because it's a unique experience. Um, so to your point, I don't think the experience will ever go away, but you can produce out of being legally considered a craft brewery. That's my opinion. I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts on that. Yeah, great point. We talked about that in one of our episodes, like what makes a craft beer brewery? Yep. You know, can you brew? And there were certain stipulations that I didn't know about. So, and, and Dane, fan, fantastic question. Um, I think it's made up of a bunch of moving parts. You know, we have small moving parts all across the country that are brewing craft beer. And it makes up this huge thing, this huge identity that I believe the, uh, the, the Budweiser brand and, and Miller corporate, I think, I think they're all fearing it. You know, uh, I think they're fearing it more than we're fearing the change of them changing it. So, 
I, I've got a pretty serious question. I mean, this is something I've never even thought of before. I mean, you know, somebody dealing with a, a small town, Lakeland, you know, Lakeland Brewery, things like that, they, they've got maybe five, six, uh, top seven types of beers that they're, they're producing. But, you know, I never thought about a ceiling. Honestly, I've never even thought about, you know, what, what will they stop at? And uh, this is kind of thrown it to light, you know, what do they have a stopping point? Like, I mean, will they have to stop at some point and say, well, you know, this is what we got. You know, we got eight taps open, so you got to kind of deal with this. Uh, you know, what, that's, that's kind of scary to think about. I mean, they have a partnership with a Miami brewery, and they do import actually two different types of uh, actual, you know, microbrew or, you know, private brew, if you will, uh, you know, type of taps. Uh, they do incorporate those, but uh, that, they may have a shelf life, which is scary. I've never thought about that before. If you're talking about number of, of taps or number of beers available and how that will affect that particular brewery's stock or selection, um, I think ultimately that, that go, you know, take a step back and it goes back to the way that craft life runs their brewery which is that really tiny teeny brewery here in Lando lakes that is that is you know me and ryan were so over the moon impressed with because they won't brew a beer people say that you know that red sucks that brown ale was terrible that stout was just god awful tasted like a shoe they're not going to make that beer anymore so they're going to self-regulate it's it's the companies that that do i express some caution for or not caution, but some worry for like the Tampa Bay Brewing Company or the uh, Copper Tail, where they make all these fantastic beers that are apricot, pineapple IPAs, and uh, grape something else, you know, stout, and all that kind of crap, where they're just going at uh, all sorts of places. Now, they have the resources to do so, but are any of those beers going to be around tomorrow? Probably not. So there is, a, there is a shelf life, you know, a shelf space, just like at a grocery store for the amount of taps you have and the amount of resources they have available. So, but that's what makes it fun. And that's what makes it new. And that's what makes it unique every time you go into there. And that's what the craft part, the, the, the passionate, the wrap your arms around it and really understand it piece is, you know, where can I go to drink a shoe is what I want to know. Come on, drink a shoe. You want to drink a shoe. You can come over to my house. You can drink a shoe. <laughs> I'll take your shoes. It's not that great. I mean, I need to know craft shoes on a level that I've never seen before. The Beer Masters Club, Craft Shoes, and Geek News. <laughs> Coming at you live. Oh, Did you guys have anything else on that? I got one more story on this, and then we can move on to the geeky stuff. <laughs> it's not a Das Boot, is it? Yeah. Das Boot's badass, man. I want one of those real bad. Christmas is right around the corner. Do not say that unless you really want it. <laughs> Well, no, I thought we were all getting each other the NES, the mini NES system, right? You two are. I house boot for whoever I want, so it's on me. My Amazon account. So moving on to the last story that I had here in the beer section, um, Ryan raised a, a good point, and he talked about how you, um, again, you know, this came from Ryan because you must have seen something that, that sparked this, but you came how you, how you pour a beer – and how to not pour a beer. And because it's a podcast, there's not this, that's great radio showing how someone to pour beer. Um, Lots of it, yeah. Well, I thought, I thought it'd, be, it'd be a better conversation to talk about 
pouring style, drinking style, but really the style of glassware. Um, so this is something that, that I've covered extensively in my, my beer research and my brand ambassador uh, roles that I've held through different breweries and, and whatnot at different promo events. But um, I can give you guys the clip notes real quick um, on just some of the most common types of glassware that you'll get and why you kind of drink out of those. Um, particularly, did you guys just starting it off want to throw any questions out there? Ryan, did you have any particular like, oh, I saw this, but why do you do that? Um, I, I know that you work at a bar, so you probably know already, but I didn't know if you had particular questions about that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, um, not so much question, but I know there's an art form. I think there's an art form behind it. It, it almost makes craft beer better. Yeah, you know? it, to it totally does because craft beer um, is essentially a living organism. So you can, you can just crack open a can of something and dump it into a glass and then just suck it down like a Neanderthal. Or um, you can actually pour it in a way that will accentuate the flavor, the aroma, pieces like that. As we mentioned before, you know, about 70% of your taste comes through your nose. And you can test that, again, by holding a beer or something in front of your nose open up your, your mouth and go ahead and give it a, a good smell. You'll actually be able to taste the beer, um, which is crazy because all you're doing is smelling it. But it goes to show you that about 70% of that taste flavor profile comes, comes right through your nose. So, so it's important. So, so the art to it is to pour your beer, and I don't remember if it's a 35 or a 45 degree angle, but it's a comfortable 45. angle. It's 45. So I, I, don't, I never knew the, I mean, I don't remember the exact, but, but it was um, 45 sounds right. Um, it's a comfortable angle when you're pouring. It doesn't make it look too awkward or seem that awkward. But when you actually pour that beer, you also tilt your glass a little bit just to accommodate the rate of flow that's going in there. So you can maintain a two to three fingers worth of head when you're done pouring. What that will do at, at that level, so you're talking about maybe an inch, inch and a half. What that level of foam does is actually allow the CO2 that's trapped within your beer from fermentation to release itself. When it releases itself, not only does it release that flavor and that aroma, but it also kind of gives you the essence of that beer and it really allows it to perform like it should in the particular glassware that you're actually pouring it into. And there's several different ones and we don't have to spend a lot of time on these, but everybody's seen a pint glass. It's pretty general for your lights, your lagers, things like that. The wising glasses, so those are kind of wide at the bottom, skinny in the middle, and then wide at the top. And those kind of showcase that great cloudy color. It leaves a lot of room for that head to fill up there. Yep, Dano's got, got one right there he's hanging on to. Um, the snifters, you know, those are great for, again, your very high gravity so that those, those triples, the Belgians, things like that um, are great in those snifters because, again, the presentation is there. Then when you pull it up to your face, you've got this three to four inch, you know, hole that you're getting all that aroma because those, you know, uh, you've got – Again, apricot, you've got, you know, clove, you've got all sorts of stuff. Coriander, did you have something, Nick, you wanted to say about that? Uh, yeah, I always thought that was, uh, so, you know, w the way they, they confine that, almost like the Stella Artois type of bottle, mm -hmm. uh, it's a very finite neck. Uh, you know, when they confine it like that, I always thought that so if you gave a sour face while drinking it, they could stab you right in the hand. No, nope. <laughs> I mean, and, and provide more of a you know touch or touch basis for no, no. But but the Stella Stella Artois in, in the commercial is actually more of a goblet or tulip glass, and those each have their own different uh, specialities there too. The reason I think that Stella glass fits more in the tulip category is because it's a little, it's a stem glass, sure, but it's a little bit thinner. 
um, but it still has that very uh, bulbous body, which which then results into that nice, you know, rack of, of foam on there, which which again releases the CO two, makes it a little bit more drinkable. Again, take this home with you, test this. Take two beers, two of the same beers. If you want to drink two beers, this is how you do it. Take two beers, perform an experiment. Take one beer, set it down on the table, crack it open. Don't do anything with it. Take a second beer, same beer, crack it open and pour it into a glass so that you get those two to three finger max of foam. Um, and you can control your rate of speed, how you pour it that fast. Set them down and drink the canned beer or bottled beer and then drink the one from the glass and you will absolutely taste the difference. It, it's a little bit smoother. It's a little bit more drinkable. It's a little bit more easy to, to consume. Um, plus you look fancy with a, with a, with a stem glass. So, so it's just a, it's just some, some tips yeah, on, yeah, it's just some tips on how to, how to do that. But did you guys have any thoughts or, or any other questions on, on any of those uh, different types of glasses? Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I, that I enjoy doing, um, and I, I really wish I could remember the brewery that I, that I watched the video on, uh, the slow pour. What they do, it, it's much like pouring a Guinness. You, uh, you pour half the Guinness or three-quarters of the Guinness, and then you let the head settle a little bit. Do you know why? Well, you, you don't want to serve it with bubbles. I know people get pissed off when you serve it with bubbles on top. But uh, go ahead. Why do you do that? Well, well the Guinness in uh, – I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut off your story, but the Guinness in particular is a nitro instead of CO2. So the nitrogen bubbles are much, much finer. They're very, very, very teeny. They're the tip of a, of a pin, basically, compared to your CO2 bubbles that are larger and dissipate quickly. Um, the nitrogen bubbles, bubbles almost settle like, like wet sand. Um, and that's just because of their, of their size and their, their consistency. So the, the trick behind pouring a Guinness half at a time is that you give it time to settle because it could take up to, to a minute, minute and a half. I think 90 seconds. Um, you you don't want to do that all at once because then you're looking at a three three minute wait time for for a pint of beer. <laughs> so so essentially they do it in in two phases like that. But the CO two bubbles are, are what makes that beer so creamy and so rich. Yet people don't understand that a Guinness has about the same calories as a Bud Light. So it's about 120 compared to 117 um, or so. So it's really like a a, a very misconceived thing, but. The thickness comes from that perception of, of watching it settle like motor oil. But go on with your story, Ryan. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, fantastic point. Uh, I, I had to do the, the, with the difference between the nitrous and, and, and CO2. So um, the, the slow pour, though, for me, like when I take my craft beer and I pop open the bottle and, and pour it in there, I pour it actually straight in. I don't necessarily do the 45 angle. And then I let it just kind of rest for – a minute maybe two maybe not as long as a guinness would and then i'll pour the rest in slowly almost at an angle just to keep that head but for me the slow pour really helps me with the smell uh as as, as i taste but also you know the fragrance and all those other elements of the beer come out um as they as they combine together in in that glass it's almost uh i wouldn't say therapeutic but it, it's it's like uh, it's just awesome. It's a great. It's a great way to enhance the experience. So. As long as you're pouring it with enough speed to get that carbonation built up, where you get some of that foam. Because if not, you're going to be ingesting all that gas, and then you'll be no. quite gassy later. <laughs> no, it still keeps a really good head. It settles a little bit, but it still keeps a really good head. So, good. Dane, yeah. Ralph, anything else? You know, I just I had I had this Vienna here. And uh, drinking out of the bottle, kind of hard 
kind of hard to drink. I put it in this glass that uh, Donnie Gallagher gave me for my wedding. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, it tastes a whole lot better. That's for damn sure. Yeah, right, so, man? Yeah. Let's do it. Glasses for the win. Glasses are for the win. And if you're one of the people who say, well, my glass, it, keeps, it gets my beer not, you know, too warm. Well, you're not drinking fast enough. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else? Let's move on to um, what are we drinking? What are we going to drink? Yep. This is where our future intro music will go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mr. Lousman, I have not seen you. I've not seen what you're drinking yet, but I've seen you drinking. Can you care to elaborate? Well, if you're a police officer, no. But for you guys, <laughs> I'm drinking the Miami Brewing Company. Well, Next. there's another one. Dude, Yarp, definitely for dark. Oh, my yeah. gosh. This one uh, is very hoppy, but man, oh, man, uh, this 7-Eleven is on fire with requests. <laughs> I'm joking. They quite literally are like, every single time I bring one up to them, they go, we sell that? And I go, yeah, please ring me up. I need to leave immediately. It's all fine. Uh, Mega Mix is a great, I mean, if I'm honest, it's a wonderful pale ale. Uh, I haven't had time to research it, but honestly, uh, it's a really great tasting pale ale. Uh, I feel like it's an India pale ale, but it's not. It doesn't label it on the bottle, so. That but it shows an IV, well, it shows a six percent alcohol by volume. So, yes, that answers your question. It's uh, well within the realm of acceptable, but uh, it's a good time. I mean, Mega Mix, very new to Miami Brewing Company or Miami uh, Beer Company, if you will. I like it though. It's very hoppy. It it reminds me so much. I mean, it's almost interchangeable with highlight, and that's you know, I don't want to rope another, you know, I don't want to rope another uh, actual you know microbrewery with another one, but they kind of are very similar. So at this point, you know, that's what it is. I mean, it's very hoppy, but uh, it's a very drinkable beer. Love it. Um, well, the the pale ale would be more like the invasion. I think that you were drinking two weeks that ago. That was two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks exactly. Yep, and uh, it does resemble that exactly. So it's yeah. but uh, but a very good time. I mean, there there's nothing, no complaints on my end at all. Good. good. I, Mr. Mr. Dano, what are you working on? Yeah. So besides the Vienna, feeling that pretty warm inside. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty warm inside. I'm on my third beer now. Um, <laughs> I'm still finishing up my Sierra Nevada fall pack. I had a pale ale uh, with dinner. Um, at the beginning of the podcast, had a tumbler. Nice. Brown ale. And now I'm finishing up with, I just showed you guys, the Vienna. So I, I still have the hoppy wheat left. Not my favorite, but I got two more of those bad boys that I got to finish off. So, Sierra Nevada, baby. Very good. Mr. Ryan. <laughs> so, the beer that I'm bringing forth tonight, I, I feel like it's that new song from your favorite brand, and you're just not used to it yet. Mm-hmm. I say that is because sometimes those new songs they just don't match up. It's like, oh, I got to listen to it about three or four times. 
And I have a beer here from Holy Mackerel, which is out of Fort Lauderdale in Florida. All right. Kind of a neat little, you know, it was nine bucks for a four pack. Comes in at 8.5. Woo. So I was expecting something a little different. And I come to find out that it's actually a Belgian style ale. Excellent. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. But the problem is it's very sweet. So when I match it up to the other Belgians that I've had, the other, uh, I don't know if it's a triple, it's just saying Belgium style. It's not giving me any other information. It's very sweet and it's so hard to overcome that sweetness because I wasn't expecting that. I went from the torpedo, a couple extra of those in the fridge, to just straight, it's almost like sugar overload. Huh? You said out of the fridge into the fire. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> sugar. But it's as I took a couple more sips and, and got a little more used to it, I kind of, I guess it's a little quaffable, a little, you know, a little drinkable. Uh, but it's, I did some research on it, and I guess it's best after being cellared for about two to three years. So I don't know when this one was bottled, but this is two, 2015. So, <laughs> uh, might be a extra. Yeah, a little but, early on the cellaring, I guess. A little, little bit. But it's good to know that there's there's a a, a brewery in Fort Lauderdale that makes beer, uh, and and they sell it at Publix here locally. So it was neat. It's it, it's been a neat experience. I'm just not sure how quickly that four packs can move. <laughs> Very good. No, that's awesome. I mean, it's um, I always love to. I'll have to try it out. A Belgian. The, it's called the mackerel or holy mackerel. Is that what it was? Holy mackerel. Hol, holy mackerel, and this one's called the special golden ale. Special golden ale. Okay, reminds me. Your description reminds me of the golden monkey from Victory, which, which is a, it is a Belgian, but it's not. It is not my favorite um, Belgian that they make. Uh, but all those Belgians are like that. They're they're hit or miss, or they're either really strong or really sweet or really something. Um, they they just they pull in very different directions. So it's always good to try it. But I'll definitely try that out next time. Yeah, and that Golden Monkey that you talk about, I, mean, I think that's a great beer. You you have that once, and you're an instant fan. This yep. is going to take me a little while to get used to, but it's still good. So. Yeah, very good. So, so what I was drinking, um, and this spurs my the next story from the well from the Geek News section, but I was just uh, I just grabbed the Rebel IPA. It's um, we've talked about Sierra Nevada because you know we've got that great sponsorship deal. Wink, wink. Um, but besides them, uh, when I am trying to, if I'm not drinking a uh, highlight or something, uh, I just reach for the Rebel IPA just because Sierra Nevada, or, excuse me, wink, wink. Samuel Adams makes just such a great, such a great um, <laughs> Rebel IPA. I just really love it. It's it's very drinkable. It's smooth. It's great cold, and um, and I had a, a blast with it. So. I brought that to Orlando when we were there last weekend, and last man, I understand you were there as well. Um, I will try your um, holy mackerel maybe uh, next week or so, but um, I think at this point, unless you guys have anything else, we can move on to our geeky news. Absolutely. So, super geeking out, and this may be short, might run long, I'm not sure, but I was at Disney World um, over the weekend, and I absolutely ditched my wife running at full speed to try and catch up with Kylo Ren. Um, it's happened. It happened once, which I thought was was dorky enough. It happened a second time when I saw a batch of stormtroopers walking by, and I wanted them to uh, provide some interrogation or conversation. So 
I have um, a lot more of my trip to Epcot's food and wine, inclusive of my uh, Star Wars experience. But um, that was why I grabbed the 12-pack of Rebel IPA, because we were going on there, and I wanted to uh, just have a little bit of beer, you know, walking around before we left uh, left for the day. So it was a lot of fun. But Laos, man, you, you've been there, and you've done the Star Wars thing, and you've seen the shows just like I have. What were your thoughts, man? I mean, it was, you know, it's a theme park and they're doing their caricature thing, but I was really impressed. I thought they did a really good job. And But I'm also super dorky about it. Did you have any specific thoughts on their Star uh, Wars crap going on? Absolutely. I would like to uh, raise your dorkiness with the fact that I recently <laughs> uh, announced the fact that I don't speak Elvish, and I thought that my coworker would get it. Uh, so to say the least, I mean, uh, yeah, no, uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the fact that, uh, I went to ride star tours and absolutely all of it was just bananas everywhere. I thought I was just going to walk right in line, wait in line and then ride the ride. Nope. All of it was all inclusive pretty much. I mean, the, the whole line was all, you know, tiny Jedis and things of that nature. I mean, Which one did you get? You know, I've been a couple times now, so uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But uh, you know, I'll, I will brag that I've been to Coruscant, I've been to Hoth, I've been to Jeez uh, Louise. I did Jakku uh, the last time. I did Jakku, and then yeah, somehow Jakku. I was I was in this the the prequel era. So I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Jakku, been there for you, bro. I mean, you can talk to me about it, but and those. Are the Laos thoughts. All right, perfect. <laughs> that worked perfectly. Well, I was really impressed. I love that there's 50 different shows that you can go to when you ride that stupid ride. You can do all sorts of things that all of your geeky little fantasies wanted to. Um, I was actually walking up as there was like a Jedi show going on. And so I was like in line and I'm taking video. And the lady in, that worked there was like, sir, move along. And I was like, whoa, whoa calm down. I'm just going to be here for a second. And then this show lady, the lady who was in the show, looked at me and she's like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, you are supposed to, you're breaking character first off. Very bad. It's bad protocol. I was like, and secondly, I'm a Jedi what, Knight. yeah, I'm like, what are you going to do? Stab me? No. Your little thing collapses into nothing, so stop it. I was like, you're playing a children's show at Disney World. But either way, very impressive. Um, my show. <laughs> my, um, I don't know if Dane, if Dane or you or Ryan have, have been at Disney World to see that, but they, they now have it at the Hollywood Studios. They have this, this main stage show, and they brought out everybody. And that's where you guys saw that picture that I took and posted to social was, was I was standing here. We were just getting a beer. I was literally getting a beer. I was getting um, I was getting another – I was getting the same amount of seasonal at this cart, and then all of a sudden we saw these employees just started, started clashing up wine. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? My wife goes, hey, turn around. And I turn around, and there goes Kylo Ren. And then there goes Chewie and Darth <laughs> Vader and, and Boba Fett and everybody. And, I'm, and Captain Phasma and Stormtroopers. I'm like, holy shit, man, this is really cool. So, so it was really cool. It was fun. Ryan just sneaked past you, though, because with his haircut, <laughs> he's like, man, I'm right between the two. Yeah. No, it was, it was pretty cool, man. But, Dane, did you, um, have you been to Disney World and seen those recently? Seen anything about that, or are you just trying to keep up on the news? No, the, the last thing I've seen was the, very, the real small stage they had at MGM where Darth Vader came out and a couple Stormtroopers and maybe a couple of Jedis. And that, that's the only thing I've seen. That was the so show I'm, that – I'm pretty impressed by your videos. 
Yeah, that was the show that that they um, that they said. But yeah, what I'll do is I'll put because I had the recorder on the whole time. I recorded my entire Star Wars like trip. I recorded my living with a land ride. It says we talked about hops and barley and things like that. So there's a whole <laughs> Disney World themed podcast live pod coming out um, that I will I will put on the channel here probably next week. Um, and uh, it was very cool, man. It was very interesting. Ryan, did you have anything uh, to add on that? It looked like a really neat experience, and I'm sorry I wasn't there to enjoy it with you, but definitely <laughs> like a lot of fun. So, <sighs> very good. Well, uh, okay, so we're we're sticking with the Star Wars theme, um, and I, this will be a quick one. I'll, it's just a simple question. I'm just looking at the stats, and I was reading an, ar an article from Bob Iger that was an interview, um, and I forget where it came from, but he, he we'll mention that in a second. Basically, you know, right now we're we're looking at six Star Wars movies between now and two of them are in the hopper, those being Rogue One and Episode Eight. Six movies between now and 2020. I mean, it's 2016. We're talking four years. Do you think that we are, are, are subject to or looking to a burnout from Star Wars? And this is just kind of an opinion question for you guys to kick off. Um, but, Laos, I see you shaking your head. What do you, you want to kick us off? What do you think in terms of burnout? Four years, six movies, two of them we know about. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, absolutely. I'd love to kick this off. Uh, yeah, no, never. Uh, <laughs> A, uh, a slowdown, if you will, in the uh, fascination of any sort of uh, Jedi training, Stormtrooper training, anything like that. Uh, so to answer your bigger question, yeah, absolutely not, dude. Uh, you know, you, in about four to five years, if you put out a uh, how to pilot an ATST sort of sort of a video or whatever, dude, that that thing's gonna be fire just as much as it is now. As it will be then. I mean, that, that whole army is mobilized for the next several years, and I would love to see any part of it. And I want to see any training. I want to see all of it. Just anything to do with it. Yeah, let me be a part of it. So, you know, this is gonna live for a while. So, so Ryan, now being not as um as geeked out as we are about this. Do you see this as, as being a Star Wars, um, getting bored with Star Wars over the next six years, four no, years? I, I don't. And I actually have a good opinion, I think, on this matter. It seems that there's enough material to really go into that world further, whether it be if they want to do uh, movie prequels or sequels whichever, or offshoot. It, it, there's enough material there that they can really do a lot with it. We try to avoid prequels, though. Well, of course. <laughs> Although Rogue One is a prequel. Hashtag. Whatever. <laughs> but I, I really feel that as long as the movies with integrity, because that's what Star Wars is mostly about. You know, as long as they make the movies with integrity and they take their time, though it's kind of compacted and for the next couple of years then they're not going to cheat the fans. Yeah. If they make a movie to make a movie, then they're going to cheat the fans, and that's what's going to piss people off and destroy the brand, and, and everything's going to go to hell. Yeah, it's valid. Valid. Yeah. Mr. Dano? Yeah, I love Star Wars. So the more Star Wars, the better. I'm excited to see the world. I'm really excited for that. Um, being a Harry Potter fan as well, the whole Harry Potter part, at Universal, 
I thought was great. Uh, right before boot camp, my wife Brittany took me the other half of it because I yeah, gone I, to. I haven't seen either half. They're fantastic, and and I'm a pretty big Harry Potter fan, so I really enjoyed that. And the fact that they're doing that with Star Wars at Disney, I think is going to be awesome. For, so I'm very excited with that. From what I now, as far as the movies, I was going to say, from what I heard, that Harry Potter is like the 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 fire that was the you know under their ass. The fire, that's that's their template. Is we got to be better than this. So from what Absolutely. I've heard, it's it's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Disney has enough money to do that. <laughs> Harry Potter World, I don't think they had the funds that, that Disney's going to have to really go crazy with, with freaking Star Wars. So the for how small Star Wars was at Disney to what it's going to be now, it, it's incredible. Obviously, them buying it out you know, had a big deal with it and then as, as far as the movies go i'm really excited for the movies like ryan said ryan brought up a really great point the integrity you know i hope they they kind of stick to the roots yeah um and, and put out good content because i think it could kind of get dry and like oh here we go another star wars movie it's good you know you got good guy bad guy and they fight like you know what's going to happen so as long as they have good stories and i think rogue one is going to be a great story and trying really kicking off because i think the first the new star wars that just came out um you know this new kind of genre of star wars is going to really kick off what they're capable of yeah well it's, it doesn't hurt to have a powerhouse like disney behind you but it was just um, – I thought that was pretty pretty timely because just yesterday there was an interview with Bob Iger that said – and this is, you know, quote, unquote. He said, yeah, I had a meeting with uh, yesterday with Kath- Kathleen Kennedy, and we mapped out well. We reviewed the Star Wars plans that we have till 2020, Iger said. He said, we have all the movies in development for Star Wars till then. And then we started talking about what we're going to do in 2021 and beyond. So if that, if that gives you any insight, yeah, we're not stopping with these six movies. They, they will continue to crank these out. Um, and, um, and I agree with all you guys. You know, I think as long as they stay true to the, to the fans, it, it's, which they seem to be v- doing very well, um, you know, we're, we're, on, we're on a path for, for great content, great movies, and, and more, uh, more fandom to come. So I'm Just- stoked. Just put Luke Skywalker in on the last 30 seconds of each movie and people will go bonker. <laughs> well, hopefully we get more of Luke Skywalker than that in the uh, in episode eight. I'm going to go ahead and say with uh, all the things that have happened on this this great episode of the podcast, I think I think, think we're heading up to, uh, to go ahead and recap what's coming up next week and uh, we go ahead and do our sign-off. So you guys agree? Yeah. Agreed. 10-4. So... Uh, next week, like I said, I'm going to uh, go ahead and just uh, we'll put out the the Disney podcast. So, like I said, that'll have a little bit of um, our experience there and kind of what we were taking. We we had the the recorder out, so we were we were live potting the uh, the whole experience for everybody. We met up some old friends from the Brew Mattress Club um, at Epcot Food and Wine, and we talked a little bit about beer, talked a little bit about Star Wars, of course. Um, talked a little bit about uh, different aspects that you can find there at the uh, Epcot Food and Wine, which kicked off last weekend. It is going for 62 days. I highly suggest if you're in the area, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, guys, where can they find you? Um, Mr. Dano, please let the good people know. You guys can find me on the Twitterverse 
uh, at DT Mert. Fantastic. Mr. Louse Man, where can they find you? Uh, quite literally, at Mr. Lossman. Uh, that's my name on the Twitterverse. So feel free to look me up, find me up, and listen to all my things. Listen me up. All right. And Mr. Ryan. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at RudeBoyA13. And before we close this, I just wanted to let you guys know, since we are such huge Sierra Nevada fans, in 2017, we're all going to be dropping a citrusy sidecar and also a twist to the torpedo it's actually going to have a uh, uh what is it at here give me one second it's it's going to be called tropical so they're actually going to add a citrus twist to that so i just wanted to drop that because it got dropped today so exciting things happening for uh, sierra nevada yeah just think about that sierra nevada just imagine what we could do if you were actually paying us for real so yeah. on that note <laughs> i work for sure I work for shirts. You can find us. You can find us all the show in general by going on to any of your favorite social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Hashtag Brewmasters Clubcast. Give us a question. Throw us a like. Throw us uh, your notes. What do you want to talk about? What do you want us to talk about? Um, do you have a question? Do you have a, a, a brewery thing that you want us to answer for you? Um, do you want some insider, just our opinions? You know what we'd rather do. We'd, we're happy to talk with you again. That we are part of a community driven. Uh, organization here at the Brewmasters Club, and we are all about that. So you can find me or us at Brewmasters Club on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, please do check us out. Find us on YouTube. Comment, like, um, participate with us. Click the Amazon link that's in the bottom here to contribute. It's all you have to do. Go around your regular Amazon shopping. Just give us a click down there, and somehow the wizards at Amazon just throw us a couple bucks. Each time people order crap using our link. So please, um, if you buy stuff on Amazon, which we all know you do, just click the link below. It's very, very helpful to us. And it helps keep the show in, in line. And it will improve our audio quality, content that we can bring you. And, of course, these elaborate adventures like live potting from Star Wars Celebration Orlando, April 2017. It's coming your way, people. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Cheers and have a great night. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Brewmasters Club craft brews, and geek news. Grab a beer with the guys and be sure to subscribe to catch additional content. Add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Chat with the guys on Twitter at Brewmasters Club and Facebook and online at www.brewmasters.club. Cheers. <laughs>